Okay, good evening, everyone. I want to greet you in the name of Jesus tonight. It's good to be with, all, with you all again. And uh, we have had a good day. Started out the day at the school. Went to a couple of dinners. And uh, here we are for a time of worship this evening. I appreciated what uh, Brother just shared with us. Um, I don't know how you have found it in your life, but my observation is this. I haven't been around as long as some of you, but my observation is that people who trust Jesus and just allow him to be Lord of their lives, and even though we might ask lots of why questions in life, we don't know why things happen the way they do, um, but just to be able to trust God. The, the result and the outcome of a life that trusts God is so positive in comparison to those who criticize God and doubt God and refuse to trust God. There's probably plenty of reasons here tonight. This is not my sermon night, but there's probably plenty of reasons in anyone's life to question God, to wonder why he allows this in my life. And you know what? The truth is, that does not come to an end. You will never get to the point where you understand everything, that you know everything, and have no more questions to ask. That'll never happen. But if we can simply place our lives in God's hands and say, God, I don't have to understand why these things are all happening the way they are, and I'm just going to lay, lay it all before you and say, Lord, I trust you. Trust God. Trust God is your absolute best first option in all of life. You will have peace if you trust God. If you fail to trust God and refuse to trust God, you'll never have peace. You've got to trust him. you just got to simply say, God, I trust you, and place your life in his hands and say, it's okay, whatever. Whatever you want for my life, I will trust you. So anyway, that is a sideline, a little sideline there, but uh, the, the message tonight is very much related to that, because we're going to look at a man tonight that suffered enormously, and somehow, I, I can hardly fathom how, but as, as this man's life went on, beautiful things happened, time after time, in spite of the horrible things that were happening to him. We're going to look at Joseph tonight, and uh, surely as we look at the life of Joseph tonight, something that happened to Joseph probably has happened to you. And we're going to look at how Joseph responded to that, and hopefully you will be able to compare your response to Joseph and say, now, did I respond the way he did? If you did, something beautiful happens, but if you don't, there's going to be nothing to write about, Okay. Why do we have the story of Joseph in the Bible? It's because Joseph made good on all the bad that happened to him. So I invite you to turn to Genesis chapter 37 tonight. Joseph is a truly remarkable Bible character. Everything was against this man. He experienced rejection. He experienced separation from his family, he experienced slavery, accusation, imprisonment, all these things. So this evening we're going to take a look at how people treated him and how he responded and how we can learn to respond rightly when we are offended. Okay, so we're going to begin with... Genesis 37, verses 3 to 8. And the title of the message tonight, some of you are note takers. Okay? So take notes. That's great. But the title tonight is Sweet Joseph. Sweet Joseph. Okay? Genesis 37, verse 3. says, Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children. What a great... I'll stop right there. <laughs> what a great disadvantage to a person. To have their father loving them more than they love the others. 
that is setting them up for trouble. And so if you're a parent here tonight, which there's a lot of you, because there's a lot of children, uh, please do all of your children a favor and don't have a favorite. Because the favorite is going to be the subject of jealousy and envy. And in this case right here, it ended up being raw hatred. So don't exalt one of your children above the rest. I know it might be hard. This one here behaves, and this one here doesn't behave. But love them the same, okay? Give them all the same embrace. Feed them all the same food. Say all the same. Sometimes you got to say different words to different children because the way they respond or how it affects them. Um, some children are very sensitive. All you have to do is look at them, and they're ready to behave themselves. The other one, you can, you know... <laughs> You can do just about, yeah, there's hardly anything you can do to get them to behave. You know, they're so different. And it's amazing. The same parents, we all know that, the same parents have multiple children, and they're all very, very different from one another. So maybe Joseph was just the kind that was so compliant, so cooperative, and so responsive to his father that his father just loved him more than everyone else. But anyway, now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of of his old age, and he made him a coat of many colors. Another, another, <laughs> I don't know, sometimes you wonder, when you read these Bible stories, why would he do that? Now, we, we all love the story, Joseph's coat of many colors. You know, we, we like the story, but it was just setting this young man up for trouble. And so don't give your children coats of many colors unless you give them all a coat of many colors, okay? <laughs> or that's okay, but give it to them all. And when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. And Joseph dreamed a dream, and he told it his brethren. Okay, now, let's stop right there. Was that very discreet? He dreamed a dream, and he already knew that he was on the outs with his brothers. He already knew there was some bad blood there. There was already some trouble there. And he has this dream that he's somehow going to be better than all the rest. And then he tells them. I mean, I wonder if things wouldn't have worked out a whole lot better if he just said, zoop, zip the lip, keep this all to myself. I'll accept what God showed me, but I'm not going to tell anybody. But anyway, we know the rest of the story, the way it goes on. But he dreamed a dream and told it his, his brethren, and they hated him yet the more. And he said unto them, Here I pray you, this dream which I have dreamed. For behold, we were binding sheaves in the field. And lo, my sheaf rose, arose and also stood upright. And behold, your sheaves stood around about and made obeisance to my sheaf. And his, brother, his brethren said to him, Shalt thou indeed reign over us? Or shalt thou indeed have dominion over us? And they hated him yet the more for his dreams and his words. So did you notice, did you notice how many times it says they hated? Three times. They hated, they hated, and they hated Joseph. Well, was Joseph a bad guy? Probably not. He's probably a nice boy. But because his father had exalted him and he had these dreams, he told his dreams, the brothers just hated him. Now, we're, gonna, we're trying to relate this to ourselves this evening. And so have you ever been hated? Has anyone actually ever really come right up against you and you just knew that they were just hateful towards you? Now, I've had people angry with me already. Okay, I've had people angry with me. I don't know if that translates into hatred or not. But you have probably had people angry with you at some point in life, even though you're all very nice people. Okay? You would never do anything to hurt anybody. But you did something. You said something. Maybe you were even at the wrong place at the wrong time, and somebody was very annoyed and irritated and agitated about something, and you were the object of their anger. Things like that happen, okay? But as far as hatred is concerned, I can only think of one time in my life I actually felt hated by somebody. I was trying to collect money from a lady. 
That's not, sometimes you get in big trouble when you're trying to collect money from people. I had loaned the lady money to buy medicine for her aging aunt. Was it her aunt, I think? And uh, lo and behold, they needed money again to buy medicine for this aging aunt. And guess what? It was going for medicine, but not that kind. It was going for some other kind of medicine. Okay? So finally, I said, you know, this can't be. I, have to, I, I can't loan money out. I, I mean, I, I was a teacher in a Christian school. So, you know, I didn't have much money. And this lady was, kept asking for money. And I went there one evening and I said, you said you were going to pay it back. I knocked on the door. She opened the door and I said, you said you were going to pay it back. And you didn't pay it back yet. And she said, you get out of here right now. She said, you get out of here right now. If you don't leave, I'm going to call the police and, and you're going to be charged with harassment. Okay. You know, what do you say? Uh, I guess I'm going to just lose lots of money. <laughs> it's okay, you know. And I never did see it. So anyway, maybe, maybe God's keeping track of that. But, you know, I don't know if you've ever been actually outright hated. Anybody looked at you with anger and hatred in their face. But not a pleasant situation to be in. And so here, Joseph. Joseph is hated by his brothers. So the first point of the message tonight is hate him. Okay? Hate him. This is what's coming to Joseph. We're talking about what's coming to this man, this young man. Hatred. Secondly, tonight, as we read on in the scripture, uh, let's go to verse 18, 37, 18. He was going out to check on his brothers. His dad sent him out. Now, Joseph, go out and check on your brothers. See if they're behaving themselves. See if everything's okay with your brothers. So he runs around trying to find his brothers, and finally he comes to where they are. Verse 18 says, And when they saw him afar off, even before he came near unto them, they conspired against him to slay him. And they said one to, another, one to another, Behold, this dreamer cometh. Come now, therefore, and let us slay him and cast him into some pit. And we will say, Some evil beast hath devoured him, and we, and we shall see what will become of his dreams. And so hatred gives way to murder. Okay? They did not actually carry out a murder on Joseph, but they were planning on it, okay? They planned to kill him. Second point of the message is to kill him. Now, I don't know if anybody has ever threatened to kill you or not. I don't think anybody has. Yes, I, 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 I take that back. I once had a student standing next to my desk, and he was saying something like, what would you do if I, you know, I don't know. I remember what the conversation was. But he, I, he was talking as though he was going to kill me, okay? Well, thankfully, he didn't. I'm, I'm still here, see? Um, but I don't know if you've ever been threatened that somebody wanted to kill you or not. But here, here Joseph is innocently coming to his brothers to check on them, see how they're doing, to give a report to their father, and they're planning his murder while he's coming their way. And so the second point tonight is kill him. And the third point is what actually did happen. They did not kill him, but instead they did this. Let's look at 3724. It says, and they took him and cast him into a pit, and the pit was empty. There was no water in it. And they sat down to eat bread. Now, can you imagine this? They're plotting his murder, and in the meantime, they say, okay, let's just throw him in this pit here, keep him in holding for a bit, and then they all sit around eating their bread. Now, talk about careless people, not very, I mean, just mean people. And actually, you hear stories about that. You hear about people breaking into people's houses to steal, and they, you know, they raid the refrigerator while they're there. You know, they sit down and have a snack and enjoy the good things that are in the house. Well, these guys are, these guys are plotting murder, and it's just okay with them. They're sitting around eating their lunch. I mean, if I was plotting a murder, I think I'd have a few butterflies, and I'd be a little bit nervous about it. I think I'd be a little upset about it. I'm not, I, I, I'd not feel real confident about murdering somebody. But these guys, I eh, guess it was no big deal. Maybe they've done it before. I don't know. They sat down to eat bread. They lifted up their eyes and looked, and behold, a company of Ishmaelites came from Gilead with their camels, bearing spicery 
and balm and myrrh, going to carry it down to Egypt. And Judah said unto his brethren, What profit is it if we slay our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites, and let not our hand be upon him. For he is our brother and our flesh, and his brethren were content. Verse 28 says, Then there passed by Midianites, merchantmen. They drew and lifted up Joseph out of the pit and sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver. And they brought Joseph into Egypt. And so the third point tonight is sell him. Okay. Now, I don't know. I, I, I can't hardly relate to the idea of being sold. But I can only imagine. I, I, maybe I can't. Maybe you can and I can't. Maybe I can, but you can't. I don't know if we can imagine tonight how horrible it would be to have your 11 brothers, actually it was probably 10 of them at this point, 10 brothers pulling you up out of a pit. And you get your feet up on the ground and you're waiting there to see what's going to happen. And you see them working out a deal. And realizing they're going to take you away. I can only imagine the horror in a young boy's mind when he realizes what is happening. They're selling me. They're selling me. I'm going to be taken far, far from home. That goodbye to my father when I left, the last time I'm going to see him. I'm going. I'm leaving. Long, far, far from home. A totally despicable deed. Unimaginable horror. What's happening in Joseph's mind? What's happening in his heart? After all, the Bible is about real people that experience real things, real experiences. And sometimes we just, well, we know the end of the story, so it doesn't seem so bad. But that was a horrible moment. I can't, I, I, I would hate to even suggest one of these nice young men up here, imagine being sold to another nation far away. Horrible. Horrible thing to have experience. Sell him. These are things that are happening to Joseph. Then we move on here in the story. We'll go to Genesis 39. <clears throat> Numerous things happen in between here. I'm sorry we can't look at all of them. But he is taken down to Egypt and he is sold to a man named Potiphar. Potiphar puts him in charge of all of his house. Joseph, in spite of the horrible things he's experienced, he is faithful. He is dependable. He is useful in Egypt. So we come to this story here, another horrible situation in the life of Joseph. Genesis 39, 7, it says, And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph, and she said, Lie with me. But he refused and said unto his master's wife, Behold my master, Wadeth not what is in the house, with me in the house, and hath committed all that he hath to my hand. There is none greater in this house than I. Neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee, because thou art his wife. How then could I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And it came to pass as she spake to Joseph day by day, that he hearkened not unto her to lie with her or to be with her. And it came to pass about this time that Joseph went into the house to do his business, and there was none of the men in the house there within. And she caught him by his garment, saying, Lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled and got him out. And it came to pass, when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and was fled forth, that she called unto the men of her house and spake unto them, saying, See, he hath brought in in Hebrew unto us to mock us. He came in unto me to lie with me, and I cried with a loud voice, and it came to pass when he heard that I lifted up my voice and cried. And he left his garment with me and fled and got him out. And she laid up his garment by her until the Lord came home. And she spake unto him according to these words, saying, The Hebrew servant which thou hast brought unto us came in unto me to mock me. And it came to pass as I lifted up my voice and cried that he left his garment with me and fled out. And it came to pass when his mother, 
when his master heard these words of his wife, which she spake unto him, saying, after that, this manner did the servant to me, that his wrath was kindled. So this point is accuse him. Accuse him falsely. Now this might get a little closer home for you. I don't know. I don't think anybody's ever plotted your murder or hated you maybe. But how about an accusation? How is a false accusation? Something that is just absolutely, positively, unquestionably untrue about you. That's really hard to take. It's really hard to take a false accusation. But here, this poor man hated. They wanted to kill him. They sold him. Now he is receiving this false accusation. Totally lied about. It was an outright lie. What was poor Joseph going to do about this? I often wondered, did you ever wonder what did Potiphar really think? Do you think Potiphar didn't really know his wife? That she was a conniving woman? I just wonder sometimes if he really actually believed her, but he had to do something about it. He wasn't going to put his wife in jail. So Joseph ended up in jail. I don't know. This was a low-down situation to be in. Well, we know what happened. We, knew, we know that uh, as a result of this false accusation, pure, godly, good Joseph is thrown into prison. And so that's the next point tonight is imprison him. Genesis 39, verses 20 to 23, it says, And Joseph's master took him, And put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound. And he was there in prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners that were in the prison. And whatsoever they did there, he was the doer of it. The keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand because the Lord was with him. And that which he did, the Lord made it to prosper. Now, will this poor dear man have to go any lower than this? I mean, that's probably about as, that's about as low as you have to go in life, is to, is to be thrown into prison. I guess there's worse things that can happen than that. Um, obviously, there's worse things that can happen because it seems a lot of people don't mind going to prison, okay? They don't seem to mind it too bad. But I'm sure their prison was not a pleasant place to be. Um, do you think maybe in the, in the mind of Joseph, you know, going through all of the trial and all of the pain, all of the anguish that he had to face, don't you think it's time for him to, to have some self-pity? Don't you think it's about time for him to start growing a heart that is just angry and bitter? Don't you think it's about time for that? We would think that somebody in his situation has every right to be very, very angry. But do we find an angry Joseph? We don't find an angry Joseph. I don't know how he does it. I don't know how he can be this kind of person. He's in the Old Testament. He's even before the law. And yet he seems to demonstrate a very Christian attitude. It's amazing. It's nearly miraculous. But there he is in the prison. He's thrown in the prison. He could just sit there having a total pity party. Oh, how can it, it can't possibly get any worse. My life has been one disaster after the other. Look where I am now, in prison. But we don't find that. We find Joseph serving. We find him keeping his head up high. We find him looking for opportunity to bless, opportunity to help, opportunity to serve, even in the prison. And so the keeper turns all the prison. Joseph, you just take care of everything. I'm going to go on vacation. Okay? And Joseph, faithful Joseph, just takes care of things, does his job. Okay? 
Now we know that as time went on, there was a butler and a baker. Do we have any butlers here this evening? Do we have any bakers? <laughs> okay. We got some bakers here this evening. All right, we got butlers. I don't know if we have any butlers, but we do have bakers. But the butler and the baker are thrown into prison, and they both have dreams. They come to Joseph. Joseph saw they were sad. They were upset about something. They said, we had dreams, and we don't know what they mean. Well, we know that Joseph uh, told them their dreams, and something came of that as well. Um, but even in prison, even in prison, Joseph is rising above his circumstances. You know, sometimes we, we have people, uh, you say, well, how are you doing? Well, under the circumstances, I'm doing all right. You know, I guess the question is, what are you doing down there? <laughs> what are you doing under the circumstances? We have Joseph who if he would have been under his circumstances, he would have been totally depressed. And he would have been totally useless. And he would have been wallowing in despair and self-pity in the corner. He was not under his circumstances. He was triumphing over his circumstances. He was making the absolute best of his circumstances. And so, what an example to us. And so, we have him imprisoned. Imprison him, put him in jail. He's a bad guy, even though he was not a bad guy. Well, the next thing is, we talked about the butler and the baker. They have their dreams, and they say, these are our dreams, Talked about three days. The butler, the butler was squeezing juice into the cup for the king. And the baker, I hate to tell you what happened to the baker, folks. <laughs> but the baker had a basket of bread on his head. And the birds came and were taking the bread out of the basket. And, J- and Joseph says, in three days, your head is going to be removed. So, anyway, <laughs> we won't go any further with that. But, um, but Joseph said, now, when you get out of, when you get out of here talks to the butler because the butler is going to be restored to his position. He says, now, when you get out of here, remember me. Don't forget about me, all right? And the butler says, sure thing, man, no problem. He goes on, does his thing, and what did he do? Well, let's read it. It's in Genesis 40, verse 23. It says, yet did not the chief butler remember Joseph, but forgot him. So, the next point is forget him. Maybe you have been forgotten. Anybody ever forget you in life? Just forgot about you. I've been forgotten. Maybe uh, somebody owes you money like they did to me, and they, they just forgot you. <laughs> just, hey, it's just slipped their minds, you know. You, they, they forgot all about you. Maybe uh, grandma always sends a birthday card. And this year, there was no birthday card. Grandma forgot me, okay? It doesn't feel good to be forgotten. But when you're languishing in Egyptian prison, and every day you're wondering, is this going to be the day? Did they talk about me? Did the butler talk to me about, to, about me to the king? No, nope, must not have been today. So how many times did Joseph wonder, will today be the day? Will today be the day? Today is not the day, okay? How many days went by, we don't really know. But this man, this man Joseph, is doing his best, rising above the circumstance, trusting in God, and yet he is forgotten. Did he wake up every morning wondering how long? How long am I going to languish in this prison? Did he despair at all? Or did he face every day with great optimism? I don't know. It would be very hard to be optimistic when you're being forgotten in prison. Well, the day that he was brought out of the prison was likely no different than any of the others. He probably woke up in the morning like he always did, went about his duties like he always did, and he had no idea this was going to be the day. But the day finally came that the butler realized 
that he forgot. He forgot Joseph in prison. And it all came about because the Pharaoh, the king, had a dream. And so the butler says, you know what? I remember. I remember now. Oh, shame on me. I remember. There's a man in prison that can tell dreams. And so he was brought out of prison. But in the meantime, he's forgotten. He's ignored and unnoticed. And do you ever feel that way? Do you ever feel like you're forgotten, ignored, and unnoticed? I guess that's a normal human experience. But I tell you what a good, I'll give you a good solution for that. Reach out to others. Okay? Just reach out to others. You know, just about any one of you, I'll be, I'm going to be perfectly honest with you tonight. If, if after the service, I stood up here in this corner, I don't know how many of you would come talk to me. I don't know. I don't know if any of you would. You'd say, what's wrong with the preacher? <laughs> he's a crazy man. Look, he's over there standing in the corner. You know? So I position myself where I can be talked to. But you know what? Any, just about any one of us, if we would just recluse ourselves, is that the right word? I'm not sure. But if we would withdraw ourselves from other people and just stand back and wait, how long would it be till somebody comes to you and says, hey, I noticed you here? Or would, they, or would the whole night go by and no, nobody would notice you? You know? So what should you do about that? Some people just don't, they, nobody really cares much about me. I, 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 you know, nobody really wants to talk to me. I'm not very popular. I, you know, if I stand in the corner, nobody ever comes talks to me. You know what you should do? Reach out. Okay? Look for somebody else that's lonelier than you are and try to be friends with them. Try to encourage them. Try to bless them. And what will happen is you will make yourself so necessary to other people that they'll want to talk to you because you're a blessing. Okay? You know, there's some people you always want to talk to. Do you know what I'm talking about? Anybody, anybody relate to that? We had an older brother in our church many years ago. His name was Arthur Good. Old brother Arthur Good. You know what? When, when, I, when I was in his presence, he would always put his hand on my shoulder, and he would always speak some words of encouragement to me. So when I saw Arthur Good was in the church, would I run the other way? Brother Arthur. No, I would say, ah, I can find my way over to him. Yeah, he's over, I'm going to get to Arthur Good. I'm going to get there because I know he's going to bless me. He's going to encourage me. He's going to speak words of life to me. And I want those words. I'm going to find him. Okay? He has long since gone on to his reward, and I can almost guarantee it is a big one. Okay? Because he's such a blessing. And so if you're the one that stands in the corner waiting for someone to come to you, Get out of your corner. Go find somebody that needs your encouragement and your blessing. Okay? That's how Joseph lived. He could have sat in the corner and said, no, nobody cares about me. I'm, I'm forgotten. I'm, I'm a nobody. Instead, he went out and he did what he could. He served. He blessed. He encouraged. He took on responsibility. He was faithful, dependable. All of those things. All right. So try not to forget people. And when you are forgotten... Be gracious about it, okay? Be gracious about it and don't be offended. And so please agree with me tonight, please, that this man was treated very badly. You agree with that? He was treated really, really bad. He had every reason to be angry, to be bitter, to be full of vengeance. If I ever get my hands on those brothers of mine, I'm going to teach them a thing or two. Right? We would, we would almost agree with that. But that's not the way he was. People had really done him wrong. In many ways, his life was a bitter experience. The offenses carried out upon him were real offenses. They weren't imagined. Some people like to imagine things that people say, oh, I know what they meant. Yeah, I can, I can figure that out. Yeah, they were kind of giving me a dig. Maybe you don't use language like, language like that in Southern Virginia. That means, you, that means you weren't very nice about what they were saying to you, okay? Um, but the offenses were real. Reality in his life was very harsh. And you know what? He could have reacted in kind. He could have reacted to it the same way things came at him. He could have had a bitter response to bitter circumstances. And you know what? That is totally natural and totally normal. But God calls his people 
to rise above their circumstances to respond supernaturally by his spirit, power, and direction. Joseph overcame every adversity by keeping God in his perspective. He kept God in his perspective in all his circumstances. Though they be horribly negative, he kept God in his perspective. By keeping his heart right, no matter how many things went wrong. By bearing his circumstances with dignity, by rising above, by being his best, even in the worst of times. Well, let's look at what he says in response to all that happened. Okay, I, I want you to look at this. In Genesis chapter 45. Keep in your mind the catalog of all the things that happened to him. All the things that were said about him. Keep that in your mind while we read these verses. Genesis 45, 1 to 4, it says, Then Joseph could not refrain himself. This is after all that. All the games he was playing, okay? It was sort of like he was playing games with his brothers. He'd send them out with their money in their sacks, and they'd all have to come back. They all ended up bowing down before him. They all were in such stress and anxiety over all this. And I wonder, you know, Joseph, yes, he, he cried when he saw them. I wonder if he didn't go back into his room. <laughs> oh, I got those guys. <laughs> you know, I wonder if he didn't laugh sometimes because it was kind of funny, these guys. And he kept having to go back and forth. Oh, we're, we're so sorry. We didn't take the money, you know, you know, and all that was going on. Then Joseph could not refrain himself before all them that stood by him and cried, Cause every man to go out from me. And there stood no man with him while Joseph made himself known unto his brethren. And he wept aloud. And the Egyptians and the house of Pharaoh heard. And Joseph said unto his brethren, I am Joseph. Doth my father yet live? And his brethren could not answer him, for they were troubled at his presence, and rightly so. And Joseph said unto his brethren, Come near unto me, I pray you. And they came near. And he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom ye sold into Egypt. We're going to stop there. But did you notice what he said? Did you notice what he said? He said, Get away from me. So he said, I don't want you guys around here. No, he said, come near. Come near. I cannot even imagine people who plot to kill you, throw you in a pit, sell you as a slave. He's saying to them, come near. What does that tell you about this man? What, was what happened in his heart? Bitterness? Anger, resentment, was any of that there? Nothing. It was gone. There was nothing like that there. Maybe it never even was there. But this bespeaks true, and I want you to listen to me tonight. That is true forgiveness. Okay? True forgiveness says, come near. Now, you have all experienced offenses in your life. Somebody did you wrong. Somebody said something unkind. It's inevitable. It happens to everyone. And those who have done you wrong, what is your response to them? Stay away from me. Let me tell you something tonight. If that is your response to them, you haven't forgiven them. Okay? Sorry to tell you that. Because forgiveness says, come near. Come near. I want you to be with me. There are people in my life, I'll be honest with you tonight, there are people in my life that hurt me. And you know what? Today, I embrace them. Okay? That's how you know you've forgiven somebody when you embrace those who have offended you, okay? You want them close to you. You want to actually show them your love because that's what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is loving them. 
Is there somebody here? I shouldn't get too personal, but I guess that's what revival meetings are about. Is there anybody here that your attitude is, stay away from me? Maybe you need to have a love meeting with that person. Maybe you need to have a forgiveness meeting with that person. So you know what, brother? I've been keeping you away from me, but I want to embrace you. I want to love you. I want to forgive you. Joseph shows us how to forgive. He says, come near, when he should have been saying, get out of here. Okay? Anybody you want to keep away from you, bring them near. Love that person. Have a forgiveness meeting with them. Saying, you know what, brother? Some things you've said about me or to me or whatever have, have hurt me. But you know what? I forgive you, and I want you to be close to me. Come near. Means that the debt has been canceled. Genesis 45, 5 to 7. Some more of Joseph's responses. Notice what this man says. He is a beautiful man. I want to be a beautiful man like him. It says, now therefore, this is 45.5, now therefore be not grieved nor angry with yourselves that ye sold me hither. For God did send me before you to preserve life. For these two years hath a famine been in the land, and yet there are five years in the which there shall neither be earing nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth and to save your lives by great deliverance. He got it right. Joseph got it right. He said it exactly the way it was. He said, you sold me. Did he deny that they did it? Did he say, you know what? It really wasn't all that bad. Your offense wasn't really that serious. He didn't say that. He said, you guys really did me wrong. You guys hurt me. You guys sold me. You guys wanted to kill me. You guys really did me bad. You know what? You sold me, but God sent me. Okay? He turned the thing right on its head. You guys sold me, but God sent me. And you know what? Can you look at things that way? Can I look at things that way? That even though someone else intended hurt, God is able to turn around and make something good of it. And so God uses people. Sometimes he uses them in a painful way. But nonetheless, he uses them, and the result can be very positive. Joseph recognized that even though others had wrong intentions, and they, their goal and aim was to do bad and wrong, Joseph realized God is able to work a miracle in taking something really negative and turning it into something very positive. You sold me, but God sent me. Okay? That is forgiveness. So here is the key to Joseph's response. God was in his perspective and his understanding. His faith and trust was in God. Tonight, do we have this awareness of God? Do we feel as though we are a victim of other people, or even of our circumstance. You know what? How big is your God? Is he able to work in your circumstances? Is he able to even work through people that you might say are not very nice? Do we suffer from a case of bad luck? Are we thrown about by chance? No, we trust God. We say, God, what is your purpose? What do you want me to do here? You definitely must have something in mind. With that perspective, Joseph was able to make the best and to be the best in every circumstance. Every circumstance that came his way, God, what do you, what do you, want, to, what do you want? What are we going to do with this? What can we do with this to make something good of it? This evening, brothers and sisters, can we get our eyes off ourselves give up our little pity party, change our attitude? Can we rise to the occasion, act with dignity, be the bigger man or the bigger woman? Can we absorb the pain, bear the burden,
dispose of the offense, see the bigger picture of God's plan and provision? Can we be a Joseph tonight? Can you be like Joseph tonight? We need to be like Joseph tonight. Can we be sweet, though bitter is thrown at us? This Joseph is a beautiful man. Again, we find in Genesis 45, 8 to 10, we find similar things happening. So now it was not you that sent me hither, but God. And he hath made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his house and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. Haste ye and go up to my father and say unto him, Thus saith thy son Joseph, God hath made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down unto me. Tarry not, and thou shalt dwell in the land of Goshen, and, and shalt be near unto me, thou and thy children, and thy children's children, and thy flocks and thy herds, and all that thou hast. So again, we find Joseph saying the same thing again. I want you near to me. I want you close to me. Come down to Egypt. Be all around me. Again, indica- indications of true forgiveness. The next, the next verse, verse 11, and there... There will I nourish thee, for yet there are five years of famine, lest thou and thy household and all that thou hast come to poverty. He says, I will nourish you. Does that sound like a bitter man? Does that sound like somebody's holding a grudge? I'm going to nourish you. I'm going to feed you. I'm going to water you. I'm going to clothe you. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to give to you. You know, that's exactly, exactly to the T what Jesus said. You do with an enemy. How did Joseph know this? Did you ever marvel at that? How did Joseph know this? Somehow along the way he learned that the way to live a peaceful and a joyful and a tranquil life is to forgive. It's to forgive. And he experienced that blessing and that joy and that peace of being able to forgive his brothers for all the evil they had done to him. Sounds like what Jesus commanded. Jesus commanded, if you have anybody tonight that you would say, that person has set themselves up in my mind, they are my enemy. You're to love them, you're to bless them, and you are to do good to them, you're to pray for them. Things that Jesus said you do for an enemy. And you know what that turns an enemy? What does that do to an enemy? Turns them into a friend. Wouldn't it be so much better to have a friend in that person instead of an enemy? Turn the whole thing around by doing what Jesus said. Loving them, blessing them, and praying for them. Well, we'll read a few more verses here in Genesis chapter 45. uh, Going on here with verse 12. It says, And behold, your eyes see, and the eyes of my brother Benjamin, that it is my mouth that speaketh unto unto you, And ye shall tell my father of all my glory in Egypt, and all that ye have seen. And ye shall haste and bring down my father. And he fell upon his brother Benjamin's neck and wept. And Benjamin wept upon his neck. Now we can almost understand that. Benjamin was his full brother. Benjamin was not involved in his, you know, selling him into Egypt and and the plotting of his murder and all that. Benjamin was his younger brother. I don't think he was involved with these others. Moreover, verse 15, moreover, he kissed all his brethren and wept upon them. And after that, his brethren talked with him. So tonight, I'm not sure exactly how to close up this message, but... What a beautiful scene. All these men who deserved revenge. They deserved bad to happen to them. Joseph should have just said, you know what, you guys? You are such a bunch of scoundrels. I'm going to give you exactly what you have coming. But instead, he kisses them. He weeps over them. He forgives them completely. What a beautiful story. And a beautiful example. A moving scene of love, forgiveness, humility, 
and reconciliation. I ask you tonight, do you need a scene like this in your life? Who have you been estranged from in your relationships? Tonight, do something about it. Do something about it. Don't let it go on the way it is. Be a Joseph and learn to forgive. Life is too short to live in strife, conflict, and offense. You know, bitterness is extremely stressful. It's very hard on you to be a bitter person. Bitter people generally have lots of health problems because bitterness eats you up on the inside. How much better to forgive, to love, to bless, than to hold a grudge, to be bitter. So tonight, maybe there's somebody in your life that you need to forgive. We're going to give you an opportunity tonight to say, you know what, there's somebody in my life I need to forgive And you know what? By God's grace, I'm going to do something about that relationship. I know we're supposed to do this at least every six months when we have our council meetings. I know that. Okay? We're supposed to live at peace with God and man. But you know what? Sometimes maybe we say everything's right when maybe it isn't so right. I don't know. But uh, is there somebody in your life this evening that has hurt you? It's offended you? And you just simply need to forgive them. We're going to give you an opportunity tonight to stand to your feet right where you are as we sing a song. And in doing so, you're going to say, I have someone I need to forgive. And I'm committing myself to doing something about it. Okay? Um, Sometimes it involves talking to the person. Sometimes it might not. Maybe there's no need to. The people that have offended me, you know what? I did not sit down and have a meeting with them and say, you know what? You offended me. Something that took place in my own heart. I said, you know what? I'm going to love those people. I'm going to bless them. Pray for them. And you know what? God replaces. God, when you do those things, God actually replaces that anger, bitterness, resentment, whatever it is. He replaces it with love. He does. So that you genuinely love the people who have offended you. So, what shall we sing tonight? Do we have a song of invitation?